was Saturday morning, 1980-something, and that meant one thing. Cartoons. Children across America would park themselves on the couch and be sucked into endless hours of their favorite shows. There was G.I. Joe, Dinosaucers, The Real Ghostbusters, and the greatest one of all, Transformers. So they're robots, but they're also cars? And trucks and planes and sometimes dinosaurs. Why would you ruin a perfectly good Fiero by turning it into some Gundam robot? It's the world's greatest cartoon. They just came out with an animated movie. They took this and made it longer? I don't get it. Oh, but a grown man hitting a ball with a stick? That makes sense? Don't you come after baseball. It's America's pastime. And robots are America's future. Deal with it. Deal with what? Robots aren't even real. Oh, you'll see how real they are when cyborgs take over and outlaw your precious baseball. Never. And you know why? Because we will rise up with our bats and destroy those metal bastards. A bat against a plasma cannon? Good luck mining steel for your robot overlord. All right, everyone. Uh, welcome back to Gundam and MAHQ. This is one of your hosts, Neo, and uh, joining me always is Soulbro and Chris. Guys, say hello. What is going on? Yo. Yo. Yo, it is. And uh, this is episode <laughs> 159 of Gundam and MAHQ. And in this episode, we're only going to be doing one uh, extended segment, and that's going to be our next batch of reviews, episodes 13 through 16 of Gundam G Reco. And. Uh, We'll be doing some of our thoughts, some of the highlights, and uh, of course our, you know, our, our uh, you know, funny little ratings that we always do. <laughs> so, uh, guys, anything before we jump into some Neos listener submitted news? No, I'm, I'm, I'm all set to go. All right, so. Uh, I'm in here in the Larry King Memorial News Studio. You are the king. You are the king. Oh, and uh, the first one here actually comes from uh, Rodimus76, and he's got a link here. And I remember this movie, and it makes it, this is kind of funny that they want to remake it because they want to remake everything, but it looks like uh, this is coming from the Dena Geek website, and it looks like the uh, last fighter, the last Starfighter rights are being held up for a remake. So, oh, snap. Uh, you know, I guess uh, some people are saying here, what is it? They're, people have been wondering why there hasn't been a, uh, a remake or anything and they said that somebody's trying to bring a fresh take on the film so that's the one where the guy played the video game and then he was video recruited. game and then yeah recruited by the space aliens to go save them oh yeah yeah but the guy who has the rights he's holding it up because he doesn't want it to be remade because he's totally against remakes oh yeah that's what he's saying so I, it's like good on you cat control <laughs> although this this movie look this movie is the kind of movie that could be uh, remade and, and I think benefit from it uh, honestly eh, I don't think so I mean I, I mean, there's no I there's no arcades anyway, but I mean, with online gaming stuff like that, you can you can update this and 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 be able to mine some gold out of this. I I mean, the guy's got scruples, so I commend him on that. I don't, but remember, I don't remember the first movie 
movie being that bad. Yeah, it was. It was a lot of fun. Is is one of my favorite movies from the eighties. Well, so. here's the here's the thing. Um, the whole idea of like playing video games that take you to another world or going inside the computer to another world had a certain mystique to it in the eighties. Yeah, when computers were so new yeah. and. You know, the possibilities were unknown. Yeah. And I think that that mystique has naturally just been lost over time as computers have just become an everyday part of our life to the point that people carry in their pockets computers way more powerful than anything <laughs> that existed when those movies were made. That's true. Yeah, see, uh, so, like, see, uh, see that Neutron. <laughs> yeah, but the conceit of The Last Starfighter was that there was actually an alien world out there and this game was just a testing vehicle for to see who actually had the ability to become a starfighter and they would use this game as, as that that template that sorry that uh that litmus test to to which, recruit people and i, I think that's really dope a cool idea in the 80s but now that you've got things like the army using america's army to recruit people it's like <laughs> the, the reality has sort of caught up with the sci-fi it's like that's yeah. not such a fantastical idea anymore to use a video game as a recruitment tool well yeah when you when you pull that up yeah it's, it's it may not be as cool and, out, and, and as a remake <laughs> outside of just updating the look and the special effects i mean is is that really the the only thing that you're going to be doing and, there. And I what mean, are we going to what are we going to have? Are we going to have the, the the gritty reboot? I mean, do we need the gritty reboot of the Last Starfighter where everything's all dark and gray? Or <laughs> it, does, it doesn't have to be gritty. And stories well, are you retold. Know, that's how that's the way Hollywood acts. You know, yeah. the, the way they are now with their blockbusters, they only yeah. know like one color palette, and everything <laughs> is. The gritty and dark reboot, shaky cam too, when it when it matters. Yeah, know? and this this movie was was surprisingly upbeat when it came out. I'd hate to see it lose that. So um, yeah, but I mean, I'm not against remakes. At the end of the day, I, I stories get retold all the time, and you know, it doesn't matter what decade it is. They they'll take old movies and remake them, and we've gotten some pretty good movies out of that. So I, I don't know. I, I I'm looking to see how this develops over time, and and hopefully something comes of it. Uh. Something good. Something good. All right. Well, thank you, Mr. Rodimus76, for your submission. Oh, the next one here comes from Rodimus76 again. Oh. And uh, he's, got a, he's got a link here to io9. And the, there's, I'm not even going to go into this, but there's a, a little bit lengthy article that they did about the history of Gundam. And they talk about how it defined a gen, uh, giant robot revolution and stuff. So uh, a lot of it's, you know, things that everybody already knows. But, yeah, definitely check it out and, you know, s- see what you like. Chris, it sounds like you may have some additional information on this is it wrong um it sounded like you were going to say something so no okay but yeah um you know it's it's just a pretty lengthy article it goes through the the beginning of gundam all the way up to all the sequels so uh check it out see how it goes nice and thank you mr rodimus 76 for your submission oh the next one here comes from um ea net dude and uh, this is just something hopefully uh this i'm sure this will be on the methods network shortly uh after it's released but it seems like uh, July 24th of this year, the second box or box one of Victory Gundam on Blu-ray is going to be released and box two will be released on September 25th. So uh, I'm sure the Methods Network will have those right on uh, July (laughs) July 25th and September 26th. Hey, hopefully the right stuff network will also have that uh, soon after that, man. Uh, fingers crossed. But uh, yeah, that's not going to happen. Oh well. <laughs> so thank you, Mister. Yeah, really, huh. Basically, you know, as as we all know, Japan is very paranoid about reverse importation. Yeah. And in some cases, they have put demands of at least six months or a year mm-hmm. before allowing an American release. So very true. Yeah. There's no way that uh, Rice Stuff's going to have their hands on that anytime soon. Yeah. Man. Welcome to the welcome to the early 2000s, late 90s, <laughs> <laughs> Japan. <laughs> 
give us one year before we release this. But um, so thank you, uh, Mr. EA Net Dude, for your submission. Uh, next one here comes, and this is going to be probably a, a double shot of some RIP obituary stuff. First one here comes from Yokozuna Bulldozer, and this is uh, talking about uh, voice actor Ogwa Sh- uh, Shinji passed away recently, and he's notable for such roles as Genya and Giant Robo the animation, Professor Gill and Android Kakaider the animation, oh. Ronan Marcellus and uh, Gundam Unicorn, yeah. Alfred Pennyworth in the um, the dub of the Christopher Nolan uh, Batman trilogy, and uh, Viper in the da- the Top Gun oh. Japanese dub. <laughs> oh shit! <laughs> So uh, thank you, Mr. Yokozuna Bulldozer, for that. And it's too bad. Another probably smoking, I would imagine. Yeah, it's terrible news, man. Uh, may he rest in peace. Yeah. Well, yeah, he, had a, he was 74. So he had a good life. Yeah. So there you go. Pretty good run. So thank you, Mr. Yokozuna Bulldozer, for your submission. And the next uh, obituary stuff comes from EA Net Dude. He'll get the credit. But my God, everybody knew about this. And this was, what, last week or so after this rec- or before our recording here and that's uh good old mr spock uh, the original mr spock leonard nimoy uh passed away i guess he was fighting lung cancer i believe something like that so uh he passed away and i think he was what in his mid 80s so definitely also uh, done in by smoking yeah yep Very once again so yeah and, and i think he even stayed as i remember i was reading when he announced it i think the about a year or so ago he he had quit for like 30 years and he yep. said you know even though i quit i still ended up getting this and and they they kind of traced it to that so or, or he, that was kind of the speculation because of all the heavy smoking so Absolutely. there you go so uh everybody was doing their homages and my god i i, I haven't seen wrath Khan on so many different cable stations in the last week or so uh it's uh, probably more so than when it first came out so <laughs> oh. chris any 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 words or anything that you want to talk about a a legend in the science fiction genre especially you know star trek and i guess we're down to only one in the uh the triumvirate of the original series so uh nothing in particular other than yes it is a very sad loss for someone who was such a big part of the science fiction community and uh you know i had a lot of comments in um the most recent episode of chaos theater so i would refer everyone to that because we spent the good you know 10 minutes eulogizing mr nimoy so there you go go there and listen to my extended thoughts on that and, and pedro's and pedro's and pedro's Hell yes yeah. Hell yeah. that's a twofer you get two you get two two comments for one so uh all right well chris soul bro i'm sure you have a prepared statement <laughs> i've got a few words to say man i i when i watched uh star trek and and fell in love with this series man he was one of the main reasons why i enjoyed the original series so much and um when i got the when i when we all got the news last week man it, it hit me like a brick man I, I, he's one of those guys that you know helped me in my formative years man i uh, just made me look at sci-fi with a, a lot of love and even even outside of that man he was uh he, he's a director with a, with several uh well-received movies like three men and a baby a lot of people don't remember that he actually directed that film as well as uh star trek 3 and star trek 4 um another star trek 4 being a huge success and he was a great deal of that uh, as well he's one of the best reasons to check out the jj abrams movies although the second one is uh wasn't all that well received it was still good to see him in it good old spock facts yeah what are they going to do in the next movie when they when when they come up to a problem (laughs) when they need spoilers Oh my gosh. This is too tough. What do we do? Uh, I'm going to call Spock Prime. 
I, I was glad he was a part of those, though, because we got to see him perform on screen uh, some of the last few times. Uh, I was listening to a show called Anatomy of a Movie, which is on YouTube um, on the Popcorn Talk Network, and they had a whole hour um, pretty much talking about his career. And one of the cats that uh, hired him for the first time for a convention, kind of after he went through his phase of like saying, I'm not Spock, and uh, trying to get away, uh, push away from the role, um, it was slightly after he did the animated series. And uh, Wait a second. I, I heard they, they talked about in one of those articles. Yeah. And I think he was misrepresented. What it, that's from what they said in a couple of these articles, mm-hmm. and some of them coming from actual news sources like New York Times and stuff like that. Yeah. That was people misunderstood that title of his biography when he did that. He wasn't trying to distance himself. I think he just wanted to, you know, talk about that his life as a person. So yeah. I think that's misrepresented. But I may be wrong. But no. that's what I remember what people were saying. So. I don't. I don't doubt it was misrepresented. Misrepresented at all because he's had nothing but good things to say about uh being a part of that show and having that role and uh the man was a true artist at the end of the day he engaged in a whole lot of different mediums uh poetry photography directing you know movies and whatnot and he really really he, he really will be missed man i i i i've got to say that uh part of me is uh is gone because he's gone too man um I'll, I'll quote one of his tweets real quick he uh wrote on january the 10th don't smoke i did I wish I never had. Live long and prosper. I hope uh, anybody who might have just started to take up the habit may uh, try to, to 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 take that in and 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 maybe uh, try to put those cigarettes down because they can rob you of your life. And he could have had a lot more years on this on this planet. And he 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 died regretting it, man. Um, it's such a damn shame. But um, I love the man, and I certainly hope uh, he he will be uh, blessed on his next journey, man. Uh, shout out to Little Nimoy, man, and uh, thank you for all the entertainment that you gave us all right well um i guess the only thing i can say is um probably a lot of the stuff that Solbro and chris i haven't heard what chris said but i'm sure i share a lot of what he said on there is was it shocking yes yeah, a little shocking but then you look at the guy was an 84 year old guy and you got to give it to him that he lived his life the way he wanted to live it also he has a slight connection to a certain director oh, sir bay <laughs> His uh, his widow, I believe, is the aunt or cousin of Sir Bay. Cousin, so, cousin. Yeah. So um, that that's there. So he, you know, he was married to some greatness. Oh man. Um, and uh, probably the last thing that I'm going to say though is uh, I remember everybody was given uh, Shatner a lot of crap because supposedly he wasn't going to go yeah. to the go to the funeral the day because he had a prior like non-pro or like charity event that was going on absolutely and people were calling him out the only thing i would say on this and this isn't even saying it on a, a situation with shatner or anything like that but the way people deal with death and especially death of a close person you can't call them out if they choose not to go to something or something you know whatever if they're doing something that you wouldn't do you can't really call them out on it because first off people don't know what their relationship was Secondly, I mean, from what it sounds like, uh, Leonard Nimoy was on his way out for, and he kind of knew it for the last year or so. So he might have been doing what he needed to do. And, you know, uh, I guess I saw something where Shatner said, you know, hey, he would have wanted me to go to this charity event. And you got to kind of think of that too is, you know, people go to these things and they, they're only going there giving money because he's showing up. So, I mean, to call people and put, put them out on blast on something like that, I think it's a little unfair 
yeah. Shatner has Shatner been kind of a dick in the past when it comes to things? Yeah, but you, but we don't know what their situation was, and I, I just say what, in my general, my stupid internet rage. <laughs> yeah. yeah, what about and, and, that? I mean, and, and it doesn't matter. And, you know, you don't know what's going on. And, and from, like I, from what I said, I, I believe they, prob- they probably said their goodbyes in a way that would be much better than just sitting at a, you know, at a funeral. And if, and if you've ever had anybody close to you die, especially sometimes unexpectedly like that or not really when you saw it coming, uh, it's tough. And, and, and a lot of people... Um, I had a situation last year where I had somebody that I was uh, close to that died and I had to go to the uh, funeral and stuff. And it's not always the thing you want to see because it's like two days later, you, you saw this person and they seemed fine. And then two days later, they're dead. So yeah. it, it's tough. So my advice is, you know, I, I understand the Internet's a great tool and you want to share your feelings. But when it comes to situations that you have no basis in or you don't know people's relationships and things like that and in a situation that's. Uh, especially very emotional, like a death. Don't call people out. It's, you don't do that. It's it's not your place. It's it's so stupid because if it was some selfish reason why he didn't go, maybe he would doesn't. Fought. It doesn't matter. No, it doesn't. It doesn't matter. It, really. all, all all I know at the end of the day, he 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 met his obligation to a charity. He already it already, already was right, okay. planned, and and because of that, he okay. went and met it. And I can't fault him for that. I can't fault him at all. It's well, like no, you, you can't you can't fault him. But my point is, even if there was a you know he had a good re- he had a great reason fine whatever yeah. but even then you still can't call people out because you don't a situation like a death you just gotta let people they everyone deals with it differently right and that that's my point so good everyone good we can move on Sure. Spock, IRIP. So uh, thank you, everyone, for your submissions. Uh, yeah, no, no Surveyor Robot Apocalypse news this week, so uh, that, that's okay. Wow. But, uh, yeah, nothing. Well, we did have kind of Surveyor news, but, mm-hmm. you know, a loss in the Surveyor family. And if you ever have any news articles, you can go to uh, the Neo's Listener Submitted News articles thread in the Gundam section of the Mecha Talk forum. And I was advised that the old timey, we're going to have to pass on that this episode and and um, do that a little bit later date but replacing that is something we haven't heard from in a while and i hear the gears and i i hear the gears i hear the tires it's probably much better now because gas is a little bit cheaper so uh of course it's out of mothball storage but uh the straight talk express with chris Oh, shit. And it relates to an article that was posted earlier uh, from Poster... Battletech? Battletech, yes. Mm-hmm. But Chris is not calling out Battletech. It's just... Oh, no. It was an article that was posted in there. We were going to talk about it, but Chris decided to make it into a straight talk. So the floor is yours, Chris. Uh, and I had to steal the bus back yet again from John McCain because he gets that itch every four years. Of course. To, <laughs> to campaign, so he made a mess as always. <laughs> and left it with no, no gas in the tank. Oh, God. <laughs> at least gas is cheaper now. So yes. So uh, the topic at hand is Turday Gundam. <laughs> because as we know, the release date has finally been announced. It's coming out at the end of June via RightStuff.com. It's available for pre-order now with an MSRP of forty-nine dollars. But at the time of recording, you could have it for as low as thirty-three dollars. So, uh, listeners will recall that back when this news was announced a few months ago of the partnership between Sunrise and Rice Stuff, that I implored people to um, overlook their um, 
more nitpicky nature as anime fans and to support these releases because this is Gundam's reprieve and you only get one reprieve, you don't get two. Mm-hmm. And I implore people to not reject stuff just because maybe it doesn't have a dub or just because it doesn't have a Blu-ray version, et cetera, et cetera. And a couple of months later, um, here we are. And what are people saying? Those exact things. Of course. And you could say that I was prescient, but I wouldn't because when you see the same thing happen over and over again and assume it's going to happen again and then it does that's not foresight that's just seeing what's you know in front of your your naked eye mm-hmm. oh it's a it's a trend you have tons it's a of trend. history yeah yeah <laughs> and if i didn't say this before i'll say it now this attitude is not helpful this is what you would call making the perfect the enemy of the good yeah because you know for all of the complaint that people do on forums all of the talking about which show is better which character is better which suit is better which show they think is a failure none of that matters for anything and in fact what we do on this podcast doesn't matter for anything either Mm -hmm. you know what matters money absolutely sales figures are what matters you know who has sales figures right stuff they have sales figures of how well gundam has done for them over the years you know who else has sales figures sunrise and bandai from bandai visual and bandai entertainment rest in peace Mm -hmm. so they they know how things go and you know they're going to release things accordingly so if you say, oh, there's no dub or there's no Blu-ray, I'm not going to buy it, and you think that that's the message you're sending to, Ban- to Bandai and Sunrise and Rice stuff of, if you put out this version that I want, I'll buy it, that's not the message you're sending. The message you're sending is you don't care about Gundam. Yep. That's how they're going to interpret that because they're not, they don't care about what you rant about on Twitter or Facebook or 4chan or Mecha Talk, they care about the sales figures that Right Stuff gives them. And you saying that you're going to hold out for a different version is not the feedback they want. The feedback they want is you bought the damn thing. And, you know, there was an interview a while back with uh, producer Greg Weissman of Gargoyles, Young Justice, Spectacular Spider-Man, and Star Wars Rebels fame, mm-hmm. where he talked about the cancellation of Young Justice. And he had said that you know when the show was canceled that a bunch of people ran out to buy the action figures to show their support. And he said, while that's a nice sentiment, that doesn't actually help anything at all. And that if you claim to support something, support the damn thing while it's on the air. Yeah. In this case, support the damn thing while it's being sold in stock on its first uh, print run. Because yeah. if you don't, and then you later you're sad about it, that's not going to do anything. There's not going to be a third opportunity for Gundam to you know, be a thing in North America. So if you're some kind of um, videophile elitist and all you care about is Blu-ray, then you know what? Put your BS aside and take one for the team. Yeah. It- because... There's no reason to not support an official release of this series 16 years after it aired and three years after its initial release was canceled and now it's back from the grave. Yeah, otherwise it'll be too little too late <laughs> when it comes down yeah. to it. I mean, who, what, what's, what's, where's going to be the next opportunity to do this? You know, and for people who are still you know, on the fence, uh, one of the MHQ Facebook members posed this question mm-hmm. to Right Stuff on their Facebook page about the Blu-rays. And the official response on Right Stuff was, they are considering Blu-ray releases 
for Gundam, but it would be for other series first before they ever do turn A. You know what that means? Mm-hmm. It means they probably looked into the market and have seen that turn A is probably not going to be a big seller because you know yeah. it's still pretty controversial with fans even all these years later. And as we've seen, a lot of times fans will talk the talk but not walk the walk, yep. and Blu-rays are expensive to make. So if they don't expect that many people to be the market for them what's the point in making them so you do dvds because those are a lot cheaper because it's a much it's a mature technology mm-hmm. absolutely i i'd like the site uh, uh shout out to dustin wilkinson over on the mahq facebook group he he writes here seeing a lot of people complaining about the domestic release of turn a here being subbed and our dvd only i thought we were all saying not even a year ago that we just wanted gundam back in the u.s it didn't matter how suddenly half a series for less than forty dollars is a no-go simply because there are two missing features we can't keep saying we want gundam back and then throw our noses in the air when it's not exactly how we want it we asked for it we're getting it that's all that should matter and as fans we should support it also keep in mind that japan paid for an episode less than what this set has and yeah i, I can't agree with him in, uh, more he, he he raises a good point he puts people to the challenge as well so thank you dustin for for posting that on the facebook group and you know i i like having things on blu-ray i didn't buy double o at first because i thought well you know bandai is alive this is you know circa 2007 or 8 and you know they might release it pretty soon Mm -hmm. but they didn't so eventually i bought it i would still like to have it on blu-ray maybe that'll happen someday but the point was that you know I bought it. And if you don't buy it, you're then you're not voting the right way. And if you again, if you're a video elitist, for God's sakes, $33 for 25 episodes of content. That's great. That's, that's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. That's barely more than a dollar per episode. Man. <laughs> it's like is that really going to put you like out of it so much that uh, you know, you Mr. Fancy Blu-ray King can't drop $33 to help Gundam in America? Yeah, I mean it's clear. Is that that's is that so big of an ask? It's it's clear that it's not going to come out here on Blu-ray anytime soon if at all. And if it does, it's probably going to be towards the end of Blu-ray's run. There'll be another medium that's going to be on the on on the verge or or popular at that time. And then what's going to be the excuse then? Oh, it's not on this format, so I'm not going to buy it on Blu-ray. You know, it's it's going to be a, a it's going to be a repeat process. You might as well get it's it. Like we've said for years, there's yeah. always going to be people who have just a never-ending series of excuses to not actually have to pay for anything. Exactly. And oh, this doesn't have the original opening sequence. Oh, this doesn't have karaoke on the <laughs> subtitles. Oh, this doesn't have whatever obscure thing, so I'm not going to buy it because I'm a true fan, and true fans don't support things because being a true fan means never having to pay for anything. Well, exactly. <laughs> people who call themselves true fans of anything under any circumstance are not actually true fans of it. No. Long and short of it. So, seriously, I, I don't want to hear whining about uh, lack of dubs or Blu-ray. These are not deal breakers. You know what's a deal breaker? Mm-hmm. If it comes out and it's got completely broken audio or video and right stuff and Sunrise refused to do a recall or to... Uh, you know, fix subtitles. Yeah. Bad subtitles. You know, that is all valid reasons for not buying something. But just because it's not your preferred video format or just because it doesn't have a dub, which, by the way, dubs are expensive to make. Mm-hmm. And again, yeah. Turn A is going to be a low seller. Yeah. There's not any purpose in doing a dub for it. That's just going to cut into their profit margin or make it a loss. 
it's like fifty episodes to dub, and that's a yeah. lot. That's a lot of money right there, especially that's a if, lot of money. And it, and people would still not buy it because it's not on Blu-ray. So it's like, why even take the risk? You, you're we're lucky to have the show out here, so grab it up while you can, especially at this low price. Oh my god, dude! <laughs> not only that, but you know, people are again being short-sighted. Mm-hmm. This is turn a box at one. We got to set a good pace here for everything else that's going to come down the pipeline because I want to have Gundam X. I want to have Victory. Mm -hmm. I'll even take Double Zeta. And you know what? I don't care if all of those are DVD. I want those officially on my shelf. I don't want to have any more fan subs and rips and bootleg DVDs. I, I want those all gone. I want the real deal. Exactly. But if turn A out of the gate does bad, then it puts all of those others into question. And let's not also forget all the people who missed all of Bandai Entertainment's stuff first time around. I'm sure eventually Right Stuff and Sunrise will start reprinting those things. I have pretty much everything, but I'm sure lots of people would like to get their hands on Zeta or Wing yeah. or G or Double or whatever the hell. Mm-hmm. So it's important to get on this because you look at how Origin has turned out for Vertical. They thought it was going to be a very small print run, but luckily some people did step up and make it successful to the point that Volume 1's been reprinted. But if it had just done poorly out of the gate, then we wouldn't be at the point where... You know, they're doing larger print runs and that they're talking about, you know, what's their series going to be in 2016 for Gundam after they finish the origin. So you got to think forward. You got to think about the consequences of your actions or in this case, your inactions. Mm-hmm. If you want to see Victory and X and Double Zeta, you, you got to help turn A get there. <laughs> Absolutely. It's, it's sensible words, man. I hope people uh, reconsider their stance on this and, and go out there and pick this up because this might be your only shot if this sells terribly, man. Don't 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 let it slip through, the, slip through your fingers, man. That'd be a, a terrible mistake. And that's it. Uh, do you all have any all other right. comments? No. no, I mean, nothing hasn't already been said for the last... How long has Gundam been on? <laughs> seven, seven years. And Mecha Talks MHQ's been around for what, fifteen years, something like that. Well, MHQ is uh, will be well, fifteen years old next yeah. month. Look at you, yeah. man. terrible teens. Ah. I know it's. I know it's not the original forum, but the, Mecha Talk the, uh, Mecha Talks getting into uh, nine years, years now. Yeah, something like that. So, yep. But no, you I, know, hey, what what can you do? Hey, all I, all I can say is I can everybody who's going to pick this up and uh, keep up the trend. You guys support a Gundam of the Origin. You definitely support these DVDs when they come out and uh, we'll put, continue to get more Gundam. Put down those pre-orders. I already put down mine. And for people who claim like, oh, I don't have the cash right now, mm-hmm. it's a pre-order. You don't get charged until it comes out, which is not going to be for over three months from now. So if you can't scrabble up $33 plus mm-hmm. shipping in the span of the next three months for a discretionary purchase, then again, you have other considerations you need to be worrying about. But for everyone else, have a couple of less cups of Starbucks. <laughs> cut out yeah. a visit or two of, the next at, at McDonald's or something like that uh, on, a, on a monthly basis. Cut, yeah. cut out a scone or two at Panera. There you go. <laughs> and it adds up and you get some some turn a turn. Plan accordingly. <laughs> That it, guys? Yeah, straight well, talk. well said, ready Chris. To, ready to get out of here? All right. Well, uh, thank you, Chris, for the Straight Talk Express. Never know when we'll see that uh, again. <laughs> and um, we'll be going into our first and only topic of this show, this episode. It's going to be our thoughts and reviews of uh, G-Reco, episodes 13 through 16. You're listening to Gundam and MHQ. 
Hello, everyone. I'm David Kay, a.k.a. the voice of Professor X from that old series, X-Men Evolution. And you're listening to Gundam at MAHQ. Logan? Logan, where is Storm? Tell her to come for tea. In a world where vivid flashbacks can strike without warning. In a world where a submissive adolescent must pilot a giant humanoid robot to save humanity. In the same world where a two-legged quadruped can run leisurely at the speed of sound with the aid of jewelry. Only one podcast can discuss this with their sanity intact. And this is not that podcast. www.ssapodcast.com The Ass Backwards Anime Podcast. Oh wait, I was supposed to use that voice in the beginning. Uh, let's go again. From a time long ago, in a basement far away, there comes a time when there's only one hero to protect us all from the trolls, warranted and unwarranted. Is it him? Against Gundam Sea Destiny. It appears destiny is firmly on my side. What? There stands a man who alone will defend the honor of said show for all to enjoy. You're something that shouldn't have been allowed to exist, boy! Just shut up! His name? rings out and is like curses to those evil doers. If people learned of your existence, they would want to be just as you are! That name? Chairman 025, Defender of Destiny! You shouldn't blame me! This is mankind's dream! Mankind's desire! Mankind's destiny! Coming this fall on WSBR, your home for DVR hits. This is pretty cool. Damn it, Bob! I'm about to reach over there and tear you a new. Don't be a jackass. I'm you, Bob. We talk this out. I don't see a need for that kind of language. Now, if you want to go outside right now, I'll take both of you. We're gonna vote, We're not gonna fight. We're gonna vote. Let's vote. Let's vote, and then we'll fight. Welcome back to Gundam at MAHQ. We're getting into our main topic, which is a review of Gundam Reconquista in G, episodes 13 to 16. So last time I missed out on 9 to 12 because of uh, sickness, but of course my reviews are online. So uh, guys, quickly before we start, uh, what, what were your like total thoughts on, on 9 to 12? Just to, to catch me up on where you guys stand. Sober, what, in like one sentence, what did you think of 9 to 12? Oh, this episodes as a whole? 
Yeah. Go ahead, Silver. Yeah, um, I, I, I thought basically that um, it was a, uh, a, a good set of episodes, but the story had progressed a little slowly for my taste. But um, I still enjoyed it, and um, I, I was hoping that the next set of uh, episodes we would review, Tamina wouldn't be so precious with the, with the developments of the storyline. So um, outside of that, I, I thought it was a solid group of apps. Okay, Neo, your quick encapsulation of the previous batch. Pace went down a bit slower. Um, I kept wanting a little bit more, uh, but it looked like at the end of that batch, we were going to get it with a big reveal. Mm-hmm. So, all right. So, without any further ado, let's dive into this batch, starting with episode number thirteen, "Those Who Came from the Moon." So we've got the Toasangan fleet having appeared and destroyed the Amerian ship that was supposed to make the clever ruse of a way to get into Sanct Porto. And we have hostilities between the Toasangans and the Amerians and the Capital Army. So very briefly after some battles play out, we have all of these parties entering Sanct Porto to... Um, discuss things with the Pope of uh, Scordism. So we see some of the leaders of the Toasangan faction, which includes General Noto Duret, Mashner Hume, a uh, female commander, and a completely appropriately Tamino-named guy by the name of Turbo Brocken. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Turbo Brocken. What a great name. (laughs) What what a Tamino name joining the pantheon of Shot Weapon and Marvel Frozen. Hell yes. Yeah. <laughs> Turbo Brocken. <laughs> I think I think I think Turbo Brocken's up there with Shot Weapon. Put that name in the Hall of Fame. <laughs> I, I think I think Turbo Brocken should be like a eighties action star. Oh shoot. Yeah. <laughs> Who's the man with the master plan? Turbo Brocken. Yo, put but, him right put him right next to Stretch Armstrong. <laughs> Crimes the disease, meet the cure. Turbo Brocken, man of Doesn't it sound like a driver in like uh, the next Talladega Nights movie? <laughs> hey, I'm Turbo Brocken. Or uh, F Zero. Hell yeah. F-Zero. Yeah. Show me your moves. <laughs> the new rival to Captain Falcon, Turbo Brocken. Turbo Brocken. <laughs> Oh, man. Anyway, so we have uh, some politicking and some finger-pointing going on where, basically, on behalf of the Amerians, Gusin is pointing out that they built their fleet in response to the threat from Toasanga. And on the other side of that, uh, Duret is claiming that the Toasangans built up their fleet in response to the warmongering on Earth between Ameria and Gondwan, mm-hmm. which leaves us at uh, pretty obvious sort of impasse. So, Nia, what were your thoughts on episode 13? Gosh, it felt like deja vu all over again. Or Earth, Earth blaming space and space, space blaming Earth. So mm-hmm. I was just like, you know, for their rep, uh, you know, um, military buildups. But um, I, I'll be quite honest. I, I don't know. I was, I had measured expectations coming into this episode, but the big reveal kind of seemed a little not too earth shattering to me you, you kind of knew it was something dealing with the space noids um or what would be the remnants or the ancestors ancestors of those or uh, the descendants of those so you know uh, the introduction of the toasawas um you know it just it brings in the, the third faction 
like we always have in these in these Tamino <laughs> stories. There's always seems to be uh, a third faction that comes in, and um, you know it's it's a lot of like he said, she said when it came to uh, you know Turbo accusing the the Ameria fleet and all everyone from Earth abusing uh, Universal Century technology and things like that. Um, I, I guess the only thing that really comes out about it is that it really made me interested is like, as I'm watching this, I really want to know the origin of the taboo <laughs> and, 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 and really know at this point, like how it got to this point so bad that they had to put this taboo in place because, um, you know, they, they mentioned it so many different times and, uh, it, it's just kind of the thing that came out to me the whole time. And there, there were, there were some things cause, um, uh, what is it? The the Toasawas, their mobile suits, they look kind of like the Zanskari mobile suits a little bit. Yeah. So do their uh, uniforms. Your uniforms too. But the as soon as their as soon as their mobile suits started coming out in that in that scene at the beginning, and you're like, oh my god, wait a second, is uh, the Zanskari Empire out there? I mean, it, what is going on? And um, you know, th- that's the stuff that kind of gets you interested. And even though we're still kind of applauding when it comes to revealing anything in there, it it, it does make you want to get more but i was kind of distracted in this one because i kind of felt there could have been a little bit more when it came to the big reveal than what we got so but back to you chris so bro your thoughts on this episode well let me tell you man that dorette looks like a real trustworthy dude <laughs> oh yeah, yeah definitely. i'm just lo- i'm just kidding <laughs> for some reason you know they don't quite look alike but just the way he talks and just the way he looks, so being so weird, mm-hmm. he kind of looks like a Tamino self-insert. That's what I'm saying. When I looked at him, it's like, oh, okay, why, yeah, why, does, why does he look like Tamino? And maybe he finally put himself in one of these series, and maybe he's done that all along. But uh, yeah, he he kind of looks like a, a, a Tamino-esque looking cat. So um, it's interesting that he uh, his, just a mere mention of his name triggers uh, some of uh, Raya's memory to return. So that was interesting to see, and how oh, that's yeah. going to play out later on is pretty cool. Um, then uh, I like the the discussion at the end. Like a lot of these episodes, the heavy hitting shit ha- happens at the last five minutes of G Reco, which might be uh, a boon or a uh, curse on the show because uh, they do they do drop a lot of exposition towards the end. And they sure, so this series certainly likes its uh, moments where they they gather a bunch of people in the room so that they can shout at each other. <laughs> yeah, that's true. And talk about the politics of the day. But I appreciated the scene because it helps fill in a huge gap that we were missing with this conflict and um to finally get to meet the toa Sagan, songans was pretty satisfying um i've definitely taken a liking to uh what's the name mashamar mashner mashner thank mashner. you uh, why would i say mashamar like this is uh, like this is a uh, double zeta, double zeta holy shit <laughs> don't tell me no these names but <laughs> that's, that's from the, the roundup from many years ago so yeah, you gotta yeah. I know, you gotta I, get I, caught up in the present i gotta gotta get i gotta get back on t- on task but yeah she reminds me of uh anime sofia viraga which is not a good this is not a bad thing i'm good with that um, um, but I like her character, man. Although she seems de- as devious as uh, as Dorette, so um, being introduced to all these interesting characters is is is, is definitely a boon to this episode. Rock Pie, he, it, would you guys say he's a soul bros man? Uh, Counting all the way up to the newest episodes, um, mm-hmm. yeah, I'd, I'd say he's a contender. I don't know if he's a he's a clear cut winner, but uh, he I, I don't is... see him as a clear cut guy. Yeah, but I he's got traits. He has soul bro. <laughs> He has Sobro Man's traits. Well, people keep telling me he is. So, 
<laughs> he he does have some traits from what I've seen up to, and I guess we'll see exactly how it plays out. But uh, it's looking like this Cold War is turning out to be a full-on war now, and uh, a three-sided one at that, which makes this very interesting. And uh, I dig that uh, new aspect to the series. And um, it didn't really disappoint me on uh, on who these people were and what their plans are. I love Klim mentioning uh, that you know they that that the Toasongans have a reconquista plan, so I guess they're looking to reclaim Earth as theirs once they uh, unfold their plan. At least that's what Clemens uh, accuses them of. And uh, I'm glad to see he was the one that had the courage to come out and say it. Pretty informative episode. Uh, and uh, back to you, Chris. It was interesting that, uh, you know, we finally have an episode that gives the name to the series. Mm-hmm. And some things I enjoyed. For one, just the fun that Mask was having with genius Clem and his plan. <laughs> What a dumb play! Surprise attack the Toasangans with the the white flag. Yeah, <laughs> and he's just he's just hamming it up so much. Like, oh, clearly you are such a genius with this plan of having the white flag and then getting close and shooting. <laughs> Finally, Mass gets a moment to to, to shit on someone. <laughs> yeah, after getting shot upon so often, it's it's good to see him be able to do that. That was rather fun. Nice. I definitely dug the retro design aesthetic for the Toasangans on their ships. Mm-hmm. And definitely you feel yeah. that Zanskare influence in their uniforms and mobile, particularly the one, the Zaks. Mm-hmm. We'll see yeah. a lot in the next few episodes. That looks straight out of victory, yeah. complete with the, uh, the goggle bug eyes. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's a nice nod to the history of this world and sort of grounding that in that history. Mm-hmm. And then obviously the other big point of the episode is that the mere mention of Durette's name is a trigger for Rodaya and bringing back memories of hers. So obviously we'll be seeing where that goes pretty soon. And to wrap this one up, let's give some ratings. Neo. Well, uh, three white flag plants out of five. <laughs> Solbro. 3.5 untrustworthy Toasongans out of five. I'll give this one three and a half geniuses. <laughs> Mm. <laughs> quote unquote geniuses out of five there you go that's the talk so we'll move on to episode 14 space and mobile suit battles so we have this thread with Rodaya where she actually has you know pretty much hit the point of recovering and no longer being uh, some kind of like weirdo who uh, is obsessed with choo choo me She's actually normal. Who knew? (laughs) Yes, she's the the person that she used to be. So we have more politicking between the various factions. Master's not particularly interested because she'd rather be with her boy toy rock pie. So she leaves Turbo in charge to slow down the proceedings. Mm -hmm. And, of course, you know, things don't quite... uh, turn out well and we have more fighting between the various factions we have people maneuvering against each other we have the direct fleet making demands and we have Bellry saying that they need to find out more about what's going on and see Toasanga for themselves mm-hmm. yeah. which seems uh, pretty sensible 
So, Solbro, your thoughts on this episode? Yeah, um, I guess the biggest highlight of this episode to me was uh, Raya finally getting a full memory back, and even remembering her last name, which is uh, Akuparl, from what I from what I see. And <laughs> Mashner is just a ridiculous character, but uh, I, 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 it's it's interesting to see a woman just so obsessed with her boy toy <laughs> to be able to uh, throw him in harm's way, and 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 but yet to actually care about him. I thought she was actually using him at first, but it looks like she actually cares about the dude. So, um. Um, that's cool to see uh that cat ringo that they captured isn't he such a dandy <laughs> sure is <laughs> he reminds me of, of garma so damn much <laughs> and he seems to be clueless too like you know he's captured he's a he's a he's 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 a, was it a enemy combatant and uh brought under their capture and uh he seems to be way most cheerful upbeat enemy combatant yeah <laughs> and with his aesthetics, I gotta say he he probably would fit in like with Oz and Roma Fuller very well. Yeah. Oh yeah. It looks like yeah. he'd leap from the wrong universe. <laughs> <laughs> it's so Sirius' aesthetic is such a mismatch of so many uh, different Gundam series. I, I I'm liking how the the full the full look of the series is turning out as a as a result. Like um, I do feel something sinister about the uh, the references to the Zanskar Empire, and it makes me wonder exactly how or if. Uh, any of their legacy is going to turn up uh, when it comes to the uh, the Toa Songans and exactly how uh, how connected they are to to that legacy, if they are at all. Let me see here. Uh, yeah, uh, Mashner she she also names their plan a Reconquista from what I'm what, from what I remember, and they pretty much confirms what uh, Klim was talking about that they do want to reconquer Earth. So that that's going to be a problem for the other two sides <laughs> if they pull that off. Uh, other than that, man, uh, it was a fun episode. I, I like the fights in this episode; they were well produced. The other thing I dug was uh, when they ran back into Manny, because uh, every so often they seem to run into her, and in this case was a nice little reunion, and Noredo, you know, she was the most happiest to see her. Uh, maybe the only one that was really happy to see her for the most part, but it makes me wonder if they're all going to end up on the same side towards the end of this, just like they were at the beginning of the series. So maybe it'll come around, or maybe they'll be... <laughs> full-on enemies and end up killing one another um towards the end of the show i'm kind of interested in seeing how that all plays out with that dynamic but that's pretty much it for me on this episode okay neil um yeah tons of fighting lots of fighting and i did find it interesting though that they they dangled to the toasawans um uh, an incentive to come over to them uh you know to be a earth citizen Mm-hmm. And I guess, I guess they're just trying to play on their desire that they feel that they just want to go to Earth so badly. And it's been common that they kind of do. But the fact of, of bringing something like that up is, is, is kind of interesting. And you could definitely see that Klim, while they're fighting, he's he's been thinking about that. And he's been thinking about trying to find ways of really not engaging the Toa Thalans, uh too, too much. And I don't know if it's because he's kind of smarting from his white flag plan that went awry in the previous episode. Or, you know, maybe he's trying to think of things a little bit more politically and, and a little bit more big picture wise when it comes to uh, dealing with all the different sides here. Yeah, it was kind of interesting to hear the Reconquista plan being kind of mentioned again. And, you know, it, it, it is, it does look like everything that we're seeing and how everybody's reacting that the Toa Sawans are, they're about some, the old space noise trap, man. Let's, let's conquer Earth because, uh, <laughs> we need, <laughs> you know, it's in our DNA for some reason. Some things don't change. <laughs> some things do not change. So, but, um, but yeah, other than that, a lot, a lot of great fighting sequences like you would expect from a, uh, from a a Tamino directed, uh, joint here. So, uh, back to you, Chris. All right. Well, you know, we definitely have some more clarification about what's going on and 
that the Tosangans are indeed as suspicious as they seem because they do have a Reconquista plan. They do want to take over Earth, which of course, as we know, is the history of the Universal Century and now this world mm-hmm. of space just messing up Earth and wanting to take over Earth. And I definitely think it's interesting, this attempt to sort of disarm them in advance politically yeah. by offering them Earth citizenship. Because if you can just be given Earth citizenship, why do you need to conquer it for? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> So it shows that there's something more going on than just wanting to return. Maybe they want it on their terms, uh, possibly. Uh, well, that's that. Of course, is the reason why so, um, yeah. you know that uh, the conflict is happening. Because I'm sure if uh, some other Earth Federation offered you know free Earth citizenship to uh, a certain faction, those vegetarians still would not have <laughs> taken that offer. Yeah. Oh. Oh man, the vegetarians <laughs> would, would have still insisted on fighting on you know behalf of uh, who's he? What's his name? Yeah, <laughs> who's he? What's his name? Jesus, <laughs> from that show. From that show, <laughs> they shall not be mentioned. <laughs> So, yeah, there there are some good combat sequences, and again, I just love seeing the variety of mobile suits, suits particularly yeah. these new Toasangan ones, and you know the fact that we're now heading to Toasang and we'll actually see what they're calling it looks like what they've been up to that's you know I've been waiting to see for so long because you sort of want to see what's what's the vestige of the universal century if any and how have these people advanced what have they been up to what what are their lives like mm-hmm. yeah you know what is it that drives them to want to take over earth so that's something that caught my attention when you know, this episode closed with Belry wanting to see Toa Sangha for himself, sort of to, you know, to understand your enemy, you have to know them. Absolutely. Yeah, pretty much. So let's do ratings on this one, Sobro. Uh, I'm going to give this episode 3.5 recovered amnesiacs out of 5. And I would like to add that um, I got a sneaky suspicion, and I might be dead ass wrong about this, but now that Noreto is kind of useless, <laughs> now that she has no one to babysit anymore, and she's kind of more of a spectator now, they keep, they, and throughout this episode, they kept hinting at her, or kept focusing on her and the slingshot. And I'm assuming she's a really good shot, and I wonder if she's kind of a, uh, a Chekhov's gun, in the fact that in one particular episode her skills with the slingshot are going to come in handy for like a crucial scene i could be dead ass wrong but i'm i got a feeling that ashley is gonna play some kind of factor in some some game game changing uh set piece in the series uh i can say that you're wrong as of episode 23 well so god I'll damn qualify it with that oh, well shit i've only watched up to 18 so it, let me fix my face <laughs> but back to you sir and neo your rating Oh, I'm gonna have to give this uh, three out of five. Uh, three out of five citizenship or citizenship tests. <laughs> Working hard for that green who's, card. Who's the president of Earth? <laughs> who's the president who was, of America? Who, who, was, who is the first? Who is the first crazy guy from space? Garen Zabi. <laughs> <laughs> who can move three times faster than a normal Zaku? <laughs> How many? How many different iterations of ZN are there? Three. How many? How many, <laughs> many. have there been? <laughs> how many times has uh, Earth beaten space? <laughs> <laughs> how many times has this been a real rock? <laughs> oh, that that's coming up, I think. Ooh, Jesus. Anyway, I will give this one three and a half boy toys out of five. There you oh, go. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> Which brings us to episode 15, Fly Forth to Toa Sangha. Oh, ho. We have the Megafauna and the Salamandra on course 
for Toasanga, but not surprisingly, the direct fleet is there to intercept them. So we have a fleet to fleet battle. We have the uh, Toasangans and Rockpai using a new little um, sort of uh, subflight support system, the Alinkato, which uh, sort of like a Mega Rider ish thing with a Mega yeah. Launcher that surely will get the job done because it's so cool and powerful. Of course. <laughs> always does. Those, those, those guns always work. Those weapons always work. Well, unfortunately, it doesn't quite work out so well because Bell, Bell reuses the assault pack, which totally outguns the Alan Kato to a ridiculous degree. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, you know, that does not work out for him at all. What's interesting is that Bellry, even with all this massive firepower, targets people in a way that he tries to avoid killing them. Absolutely. And manages to be successful without pressing the uh, magical target everything and shoot to win button that a certain Gundam out there has. Mm -hmm. I think you know what I'm talking about. I wonder what what you're talking about. (laughs) Mm. Mark II? Yeah, that's that's yeah, uh, that sounds right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the ticket. Super Gundam with Emma. Exactly, that's there precisely you. what I'm talking about. There you go, because <laughs> it's super. <laughs> so they managed to get away. The two ships split off, and um, using Ringo as a guide, they approach the main Toasangan colony, Cyrano Five which basically is a giant meteor surrounded by colony rings. Mm-hmm. Mm. So the Salamandra goes into a different port, and Klim and Mick get a very un- unhospitable reception from the Zax team led by this guy named Gavin, mm-hmm. to say to me no recycled name. Of course. <laughs> and the Megafauna docks elsewhere. They go through a forest they head into Rodaya's hometown and even meet with a friend of hers yeah. who then tells Bellry and Ida that uh, she has someone they need to meet. And thus, the episode ends with a hint <clears throat> of mystery. So, Neo, your thoughts on this episode? Uh, two things really stood out for me in this one. Uh, one was about the photon batteries and that if you even kind of mess with them or tamper with them in any way, shape, or form, they blow up, mm-hmm. which I think is a very interesting thing. It's like... Talk about it, going the distance to maintain industrial secrets. No! Exactly. <laughs> but, the, but the other thing is it also shows you how desperate Earth is for power. Because yeah. the fact that you would, you know, submit yourself to something like that where it's basically like, hey, we'll give you this stuff, we'll give you this power, but if you even try, even even look at these things in the in the wrong way, it's gonna be boom. And so uh that that really got me because I was like, that's the perfect way to show control over people, especially, you know, probably coming out of the ashes of the uh, what was left of the universal century and you know, needing power and, and, and things like that. So, so uh, that that was something that really stood out to me, and then of course the talk about um, the thing with Rock Pie and wondering if uh, Bellary is a new type or if there is a new type um, pilot among the uh, the Earth um, the Earth pilots, and uh, that I thought was pretty interesting. But you were kind of waiting to wonder when that was going to really be brought up, and uh, that that was something that definitely. Uh, uh, got me there too and um and then like you said at the end we're raya's uh little hometown there and i guess in the next episode when we see it a little bit more it kind of makes me feel like uh, al's colony to an extent you know <laughs> where they're kind of uh, 
kind of hiding and they're kind of like in the woods and stuff. I, I don't know why. It's like certain little things in the show uh, throughout it. You, you see these little things and it, it seems like uh, stuff that was going on, you know, in previous Gundams. And, and I'm sure it's intentional. I'm sure that, you know, Tamina's doing all this stuff. But um, yeah, definitely, uh, definitely kind of a, a seat of your pants episode here. Um, and, you know, wanting to see uh, Cyrano 5, that you know, that was interesting to see what was going on there. So, but uh, back to you, Chris. So, bro, your thoughts on this episode? Wow, um, I, I was so happy to see them finally get to the the colony on the moon and to see the <laughs> see the O'Neill cylinders. That was like such a relief to see. Uh, finally, uh, I yeah, I got shades of Dones Island uh, from Mobile Suit Gundam when I saw the G self on his knees. <laughs> oh God, yeah. <laughs> I, and you're right. The imagery throughout this series has been meant to invoke. A little bit of memory from previous Gundam series, and this episode was definitely no different. Uh, it makes me wonder if the uh, the the colony they went to on the moon was uh, like like uh, remnants of Granada or Von Braun, or as you mentioned in your review, Chris uh, Sweetwater, even like some of that influence uh, was uh, was 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 brought there. Um, but it's interesting to see that there uh, it's kind of like Victorian times there, which you'll notice at the beginning of Turn A Gundam, the, at least the look of the place is Victorian or late 1800s, early 19. 19- 1800s uh like like turn a gundam I, I i dug that aspect of it the the conversation that got me the most though in this episode is what neo brought up earlier but the political divide behind the uh the photon batteries was yeah. what really got me where you have the ray hunting family which is uh which was against teaching Earth about the photon batteries. And then you got the Durette family, which was in favor of it. So you can see that there's a divide in, within the Toensagen fleet and the people that run it when it comes down to that. Although you, the Ray Hunden family was kind of knocked into exile because of that ideal. And the Durette family is now pretty much running things. So it looks like some people, as we find out next episode, have a legacy to uphold. And I guess we'll find out exactly what that is. But, uh, but, they, but they still uphold, you know, not being able to tamper with those batteries. So yeah. Which was kind of interesting. It's like we don't agree with what you're doing yet. No, you know we're gonna, <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna follow what you said. Oh my gosh! <laughs> and it makes me wonder. Um, because I know in the previous episode, Lynn brought up about assassinating Dorette uh, to Kumpa, and it makes me wonder if it has something to do with the uh, with with pretty much the future of those solar batteries. And it also makes me wonder where Kumpa falls in in all of this. What side is he on? He's clear. He's from the moon. <laughs> he knows a lot more about the situation than most people because lack of information is what's driving this war or and, maybe and he's that, one of the Togosawans because yeah. you know and earlier they talk about they, the Togosawans think that Ameria and stuff were helped not by Togosawan people outside of just you know getting the plans of from you know the Hermes Foundation and all that too. So maybe that that could be another point with him. Yeah, uh, Koopa's playing people down the middle, and I I can't wait to see his master plan unfold. But he always dips out when the things get tough. Oh yeah, always, he, know, I mean, he knows. He's like, he's like he's like Mister. He's like Mister in the shadows when things get. It's like oh, he's a goddamn magician. <laughs> He is ghost when shit is going down, and rightfully so. But yeah, the, for them to finally reach that uh, colony and, and to meet up with uh, Raya's old friend definitely piqued my interest and made me wonder exactly what was going to happen the next episode. Really good episode. I, 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 out of all the episodes we watched in this bunch, this is absolutely my favorite. Well, yeah, I would say this is absolutely Wait. my favorite. <laughs> Way to spoil for the last one. Oh. <laughs> <Not as good. laughs> but go ahead, Chris. Well, the the continued politicking caught my attention. You know, I love the uh, the old cliched bit of "Surely this new blank will defeat the Gundam." Oh yeah, <laughs> and then fail spectacularly to do so. And 
I don't get Rock Pie's thinking because he's like, oh, the Ellen Condor was named after like some mystical, mythical creature. It's like, that does the name somehow make it special? Like, I don't get that. Yeah, <laughs> it's like you could you could name like a turd uh, Zeus. It doesn't mean it has any freaking like special powers. <laughs> so it's it's still a turd. <laughs> it's still a turd. Yeah, <laughs> a turd named Zeus. It's still a yeah. turd. <laughs> still shit. I mean, let's be honest. exactly. I don't, I don't know what uh, what he's thinking. Uh, also, you know, sucks for Klim and Mick to, uh, you know, meet uh, some rude Toasangans just as they get inside the colony. Oh. <laughs> what a welcoming group. <laughs> yeah, whereas with Bellary and everyone, it's like, yeah, let's just chill in the forest. It's cool. They want to have a nature walk. That's it. <laughs> just make sure you put your mobile suits down. Just put it, Just put them down. Yeah, just hymen the trees. In very prone positions. <laughs> yeah. Compromising positions. <laughs> so, yeah, enjoyable episode overall. Nothing amazing. Let's do ratings. Neo. Oh, I got to give this uh, uh, three and a half uh, proprietary secrets out of five. Oh, oh. so broke. I'm going to give this episode uh, four dis- uh, four old O'Neill Cylinder colonies out of five. That was a nice little... All thing there that you see in the distance behind Cyrano 5, Hell those yeah. O'Neill colonies, which makes you wonder... Who's in there? What's new- going on? <laughs> yeah, number one, who's in there? Two, are those newer colonies, or are those like well over a thousand-year-old remnants of the Universal Century that are still kicking? Yeah, that's what I want to know. Because um, if this series is connected to Turn A Gundam, which it's more and more likely it is, you know, a lot of the a lot of the colonies left the Earth sphere, so it makes me wonder exactly what condition those are in, and if there's even a society inside of them. <laughs> well, we all want to know: is, is Texas Colony still there? Yes, that's, yes, that's that's the one. I want I want sure. the showdown to be at the Asimable <laughs> Ranch, y'all. There you go. There you go. We just wrote the ending. <laughs> Oh, I'm going to give this one three and a half. Surely the blank will defeat the Gundam. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Insert bubble suit here. Out of five. Four to five. That old chestnuts out of <laughs> Which brings us to the final episode of this segment, number 16, Bellry's War. Mm. So inside Cyrano 5, we find out that it's named as such because the uh, central asteroid apparently looks like the giant nose of Cyrano de Bergerac. Yeah. <laughs> hence, <laughs> okay. hence the name. N- nice reference. I-, I actually dug that quite a bit. Yeah, pretty obscure reference time-wise when you think of how far in the future this is. Mm-hmm. So we have uh, the introduction of some new characters, a couple of old guys named Loruka and Miraji, mm-hmm. who uh, basically are in awe of Ida and Bellry and tell them, hey, uh, you guys are actually siblings because you're really the Ray Huntons. <laughs> and the G-Self had a secret system installed to find you, which is the Ray Hunton codes and the little necklacey thingy the two of them have. And as children, they were ordered to be sent down to Earth to take refuge by some dude named Piani Kaluta. <laughs> Yet another wonderful Tamino name. Oh, my God. The hits keep on coming. They sure do. So, obviously, this is a shocking revelation because, you know, it's, it's clear that, you know, Bellry's got the, uh, the hots for Ida and now he just got Luke Skywalker. Hell yeah. Yeah, pretty much. 
So that's that's a big shock to the system, which leads to him uh, impulsively pulling uh, Camille slash cats. Yeah. And taking the G self out on his own, he fights Gavin, who also interestingly is the first to call it a Gundam. Yeah, yeah that, that that that's episode definitely gets that significance for uh, they finally naming it or uh, referencing the actual name of the suit. And this episode also tosses out one of the most ever-present Gundam cliches that has been included in every single Gundam series, as far as I can tell, even Build Fighters, and that is electrocuting the pilot. (laughs) (laughs) You cannot have a Gundam series without the main character's Gundam getting electrocuted at some point and them screaming about it. Wow. I I think that's now taken over the Gundam jack. People always, always make fun that the Gundams always get jacked at the beginning. It's like, no, at one point in this, in this show, or OBA, the Gundam's gonna, the Gundam pilot's going to get electrocuted. Which is amazing because if you look, if you figure, if it's strong enough to electrocute the Gundam, then the pilot inside should be fried every time. But it doesn't seem to happen. <laughs> it's just tradition at this point, I think. Oh, man, they need to electrocute yeah. the pilot. They need to put insulation yeah. in that shit stat. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, everyone comes and rescues Belry because he's being stupid and threatens to make the situation worse. And he's going basically nuts because now he's, you know, been uh, bro-zoned mm-hmm. by Ida. bro <laughs> Forever in the friend Pretty zone. Much. Yeah. Because it's worse than the friend zone. It's Ooh, the bro zone. It's the brother yeah. zone. It's the sibling zone. You're done. There's no crossing that unless you're a Lannister. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Oh my god. So, um we also find out that uh there there is some internal discord in Toasanga between the government and the direct fleet and now there's the presence of the Kashiba Mikoshi, which is the ship that delivers the photon batteries to Saint Porto and is an object of worship in Scordism, and the Crescent ship, which delivers um shit back and forth between Venus globes. So there's definitely a lot more going on here than, you know, what meets the eye because now you have every faction trying to court the Toasangans, just as we saw way back in Zeta where you had the Eug and the Titans both oh trying God. to curry favor with Axis. Mm-hmm. And when the, the Kabashiba showed up, I, at first I thought it was the Kobayashi Maru. I was like, wait, what? <laughs> Spock! Spock! <laughs> what do we do? The impossible you're lo- mission. You're, 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 looking, you're looking at the only cadet that's ever beat the Kobayashi in the unwinnable scenario. You passed that man on Apple. <laughs> so. So, Sorry. Bro, what'd you think of uh, this episode? <laughs> um, I, I, I was glad to finally get the reveal that, uh, that they're siblings, because I remember... By the way, uh, I, <laughs> I, sh- I should preface... Uh, things with a partial Mm -hmm. apology to you oh well thank you (laughs) okay and i only give you half credit wow Uh this is that you should mark this oh i I will i will because i was gonna i was going to say but go ahead put in the liner notes (laughs) i I, I only i only give you half credit because Mm -hmm. way back when when you're talking about the two of them being siblings Mm -hmm. you insisted that it was out of no evidence, oh, yeah. uh, some theory that uh, Wilmot and Gusian hooked up, even though yeah. there was no indication that they had any relationship, and lo and behold, they did not. Yeah, I was so, dead ass wrong. 
wrong. Credits. I was dead ass wrong about the parentage. But uh, yeah, the only thing I was right about was that the fact that they were brother and sister. I mean, the biggest clue was the fact that the, the retinal scan of the G self allowed them to pilot it. So, uh, you know, it makes me wonder if they had some kind of connection. It still makes me wonder exactly what is uh, Rariah's connection to them, too, because she can also pilot it, too. So I don't know if she's a cousin or some, uh, someone well, in the family, too. Well, clearly these these dudes modified it so that she could pilot it, too. Ah, so. uh, yeah. To get to probably find them. Yeah. To find them. To so, just yeah. be a, a delivery girl. Pretty much. So she's she's the uh, She doesn't have full access. She's just Space pizza girl. <laughs> There's partial access to the G cell. But yeah, it, it seemed like a Tomino thing to do, which is why I had that feeling. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, I thought that the Shades reveal. of F91 all over. Yeah, again. exactly. So, oh, you by know, the way, you're actually. You're from this <laughs> highfalutin family. Oh, am I? And we're your loyal servants and your subjects, and we've been searching for you. It's like, oh my God. I didn't think this series would pull from F91 so much, but it looks like it is. And just that error of the Universal Century as well. It's a. Uh, it's pretty interesting to see that. The other thing that I was a little, I wouldn't say I was too too mad at, you know, because it was finally nice to get the information dump, but the way they kind of just delivered the fact that they were siblings, I kind of had a problem digesting that because it just came hard and fast. Now, I know a lot of that has to do with the fact that this is probably, Tamino probably wanted the series to run 50 episodes, but had to squeeze a 50 episode story into 26 episodes. So he really couldn't like, you know, take his time with this. And I did complain last episode that the uh, I don't know about that because we, we so? have no, we have no. It was Evidence as far as we know, it's always been yeah. two cores. And even with twenty six episodes, he sometimes has problems with pacing, uh, as yeah. evidenced by, say, you know, brain powered. Yeah. I mean, the only I really haven't seen him do too many twenty six episode series. Only really brain powered in uh and Overman King, King Gainer. Yeah, those are the two. So he's I, I think he's used to doing a really long series. And well, he uh, also did Zambot, which was twenty something episodes. Yeah, oh shit! Like, but it's, well, it's it's the exception rather can, than the norm. Yeah, he can he can be a little he can be a little hard though when it comes to these reveals. I mean, he for the most part he's done really well when he slowly develops throughout his career with these, but the, he is he can be a little hard on these even on some of the 50 episode shows at times he can be a little heavy on some of these reveals. So he's, yeah, he can. I don't I don't think it's I just I don't know. It's just it's just the way he did it. So yeah, I I I mean I, I was happy that it, it does come out of nowhere. It is like you do get kind of punched in the gut. You right? kind of do right the, that right cross. It's like well, I knew we were gonna Whoa. finally get some some information this episode, but it came hard and fast in the first five minutes of this episode. One of the best scenes in this episode to me though is when Ida and uh, Belry are, are chilling outside having tea or whatever, and she uh, mentions that uh, one of the moments that you know passed like Belry having to take on. Hill and, and being responsible for his death and you know looking in perspective it's like man at one point she probably wanted to kill Belry because of that and now she finds out that that's his that's her her pretty much her brother so you know she was you know really close to making a mistake of, of hating him over something that he couldn't avoid especially since he saved her life so it was good to see her come to grips with that finally after all this time outside of that uh, the other thing that reminded me of Tomino series past is that Belry finally became an angsty Tomino lead <laughs> Towards the end, he he had a well. Blue- he did it, he did it before when when he killed Delinson, he pulled the whole Camille like you yeah. know if you hadn't attacked me you wouldn't have died. Yeah, yeah. and he had, yeah. he he wasn't he was more more Camille this episode than I have ever seen him. Like even the yes. way he looked yeah. uh, and and the anger. Yeah, he if there's any any lead past that he reminds me a lot of. Is Bell, he's a boy's name. <laughs> 
<laughs> he reminds me of like the ghost of Camille, like the the resurrected version of him. And I, I found that to be pretty interesting towards the end of the show. He kind of went on his own his own volition and didn't obey orders and uh, acted the damn fool. So uh, yeah, I almost got beat. Don't tell me about it. <laughs> it was almost gonna be a bad look for him. So uh, it was, if anything, it was a, a lesson. He he outright rejected um, the reveal that you know he was. Ida's Ida's brother so that um he, he has to process it and I enjoyed that aspect of the story that he has to process this this huge revelation and try to figure out his place in the world now because of it so I think this is definitely a great episode and um I, I, I I'll turn it back to you Chris yeah so yeah there, there were some odd moments about the reveal um creepy old guys like like Ida she instinctively finds these photographs in a drawer mm-hmm. and by the way who puts like a random desk drawer at the very top of a dresser i know <laughs> that nobody can reach i don't even get that yeah and she's talking about how like oh there's something i always wanted to remember but i never could and now i can and i just reach for these photos and then one of these old guys busts out this photo of their parents who look exactly like them mm-hmm said oh it's great you know that you found these photos of this man in old house because this is the only photo we had of them the rest were destroyed by the direct fleet it's like did nobody think to look inside that weird desk drawer <laughs> did that just did that just escape the notice of everyone this secret location of this thing that's completely out in the open that you guys couldn't look at it for 15 years <laughs> so, so, sometimes the best kept secrets are out in the open so oh, there apparently. you go yeah, I also thought it was interesting to have Bellary be the one who's irrational and goes out and uh, you know fights on yeah, I thought impulse, she was. which usually it's Ida who's Ida. doing that, and yeah. you know that gets kind of tiresome. So I was glad to see the shoe on the other foot, mm-hmm. and you know he he screwed up and he almost made things a lot worse because you know there was this whole situation with the Garandin, and then Gavin's team shows up and of course gives us the the classic electrocution cliche. Yes. So. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's good to see some edge on Bellry, you know, coming after hearing this shocking news that the girl that he dug is now his sister. So you know, you can't can't have that son. Oops, unless you're a Lannister. <laughs> unless you're a Space Lannister. Yeah, Space Lannisters, it's okay. There you Lan- go. Lan- Lan- Lannister always dates his sister <laughs> and pays their debts. And pays their debts. <laughs> so, Neo, your your thoughts on this episode? Well. I'm going to do three, out, uh, three. I think it's a Gundam, out of five. All right. And Sobro? Um, I'm, I'm going to give this one uh, a four classic angsty Tomino leads out of five. I'm going to do that. Uh, even though I, I, I did enjoy the previous episode a bit more, I thought this one was almost right there with it. So four, four Tomino leads out of five. I'm going to have to give this one three and a half electrocutions out of five. Here we go with that Con Edison. <laughs> Seth PL down here, son. I know. <laughs> I don't know about no Con Edison. Hey, man. Over here, it's Duke Energy, guys. Duke Energy. Duke. Yeah. That's a run by uh, John Wayne. <laughs> <laughs> I'll never be able to forget that now. Every time we get the bill. <laughs> I'm I'm oh. so Cal Edison, so. Oh. <laughs> there you go. All right. So now so. that everybody knows our public utility. <laughs> Yay. Write that down, guys. Yes. It'll be on the test. <laughs> yes. <laughs> there will be no prizes offered. So we're cool. going to take a quick break and be right back. You're listening to Gundam at MEHQ. Come and cry, no. Come 
Open. God damn it! Open! Prime, you said the Matrix would light our darkest hour. Magnus! I want the Matrix! Never! Are you a fan of Gundam, Robotech, or Transformers? Well, you should check out Gundam at MEHQ, a wonderful source to learn about the Autobots. Yes, and once I learn about them, I will be the leader of the Decepticons. What was that, Starscream? Nothing, Lord Megatron. Nothing at all. We're looking for a few good new types. Over the last couple of months, the Gundam Nation has been getting together to play Mobile Suit Gundam Extreme Versus. We call those sessions EX Versus the Gundam Nation. Well, we as a group recently upgraded to the sequel to Extreme Versus, known as Full Boost. We're inviting you to come on out and play the new game with us. Even if you don't have the game, you can watch our live stream and also join in the conversation that we hold on Skype during the stream as well. It's not only a gaming session, but a social event for mecha and anime fans as well. If you have the game, you can add the PSN ID, The Gundam Nation, which is the tag that we use to network all the players for the sessions. Also, make sure to add to your Skype the contact of Shinjuku-Station. So you can have a chance to join the Skype conversation during the stream. If you want to watch the stream live, make sure to head on over to twitch.tv slash fighters ready and follow us there so you can be alerted to when our streams begin. If you missed any of our sessions, head over to youtube.com slash gundammahq and you'll find a lot of our sessions that we've already had archived there. Just be in mind that the conversations held in these sessions may not be safe for work. For more details on the event, make sure you visit gundam.net and click on the EX versus the Gundam Nation section. If you enjoy the game, the podcast, or Gundam in general, then you owe it to yourself to come on out to EX versus the Gundam Nation. We'll see you there. Damn these glasses, son. Yes, sir. I gundam thee. Welcome back to Good Damn at MAHQ. You've been listening to episode 159, where we reviewed episodes 13 through 16 of Gundam Reconquista NG. Before we close out this episode, we finally are going to open up that dusty old mailbag. It's been a while since we've done some mail, so I'm going to hand things over to the postmaster himself, Chris. Take it away, sir. All right, so it's time for some mailbag questions, and of course, you can drop them in the thread on megatalk.net or 
you can leave us a message on our Google Voice number at 305-792-8324. We are going to be going through a couple of questions this episode, starting with one from a lumbering ox who says, Hey, Gundam guys, I'm a longtime listener since episode two, but first time poster. Wow. Yeah. What would you guys think of a Gundam slash Star Wars crossover? How do you think it would change either of their respective universes? New types have similar abilities to Jedi, and a mobile suit with a beam saber is essentially a giant robotic Jedi slash Sith. <laughs> what could Admiral Thrawn do differently than the Zabi family? Would the explodable TIE fighter be replaced by the replaceable Methus? Hell yeah. Thanks again for all your amazing podcasts. <laughs> Uh, what could possibly happen? I I don't know because I really don't care for these comparisons. They they to me are about these crossovers are about as pointless as you know Enterprise versus Star Destroyer. Oh man! <laughs> so that's that's my answer. Well, I love crossovers, man, and I know it would be like some Elseworlds nonsense, but uh, I would I would love to see this, man. I'd love to see a Jedi and a new type do battle, man. It would be awesome. And yeah, of course, the comparisons between lightsabers and beam sabers could be made, but uh, I don't know much about the expanded universe for Star Wars, but I, to see something on the level of what uh, Patton Oswalt wanted for Marvel, between Marvel and uh, and, Mar- and, uh, and Star Wars, to be instead Gundam and Star Wars, I'd love to see it. Just as like some offshoot story between uh, Marvel and Sunrise. It'd be kind of cool to see. Neil? Nah, I don't, I don't care. <laughs> All right. <laughs> awesome. Really there you go. Uh, next, we have a kind of complicated, wacky racist theme question from Angel Wing Zero. So thanks for the question, but we're going to move on. Take <laughs> <laughs> it. And next is FlameX. Why, hello there, Gundammers. If you were given the video editing skills, except for Solbro, since he already has the skills, to make one AMV, what anime and song would you choose? What would you title it? What type of AMV would it be? Action, comedy, trailer, etc. Well, I know that if I had AMV editing skills that I would make a very sad video set to Linkin Park. (laughs) No way. Nobody ever uses Lincoln Park. Oh, my and it would God. all be sad Gundam pilots who who tried so hard. Lots of slow in motion the end, it too. Didn't matter. Yep. Lots of slow motion. And like mirror effects and and negatives and that's that's what I would do. And I would call it the pain inside my soul. There you go. There you go. A tribute to Hiro Yui. Welcome back to two, <laughs> welcome back to two thousand one. Why, why, why do I have to keep killing that girl and her dog? Exactly. Oh. Yo, Chris My just, soul cries out. Chris just named like 50% of the AMVs that came out back in year 2002. Trust oh. me, I sat through them contests, and so did Neo. <laughs> so did I. It's not, even, it's not even 2002. There's some of them still, they still creep their ugly head now. Oh, they still get made. <laughs> yeah. Just look on YouTube, your Lincoln Park AMV you will, and Gundam, you will find them. <laughs> Uh, actually, the infinity sign comes up with your results. <laughs> you stumped Google. <laughs> yeah, he stumped it on YouTube. <laughs> oh, shit. <clears throat> but uh, what would you make, Neil? You've had some AMV contests throughout, uh, sorry, uh, concepts throughout the years, man. Any any of them old dusty ones you can remember? Oh, I got, I got a good one. I just I just thought of it. I would mm-hmm. take the Slayer song, Raining Blood. Oh, shit. And it would be every Tamino death nice. of all his shows. <laughs> If we call it snuff reel, <laughs> no, just kill them all, Tamino. Kill them all, <laughs> or just kill them all. Hey, hey, that'll work. That'll work, man. Uh, there'll be plenty of material to sample. <laughs> 
but man, yeah, um, you guys, I, I'm, I'm constantly making. Uh, How can uh, you do better than Bernie's Lament? I know. Oh Lord, well you I, can't I, do anything better than Bernie's Lament. <laughs> Shout out to Flame X, man. We um, ha- unless you do like Flight of the Valkyries, mm-hmm. that song, and it's just the coming of the king, and it's just you know slow motion of all the good things that uh, Saji Crossroad ever did. There you go. You just, you just you, fighting, you, fighting off the aliens. <laughs> you have given me such great inspiration. Thank you. I, I do want to thank Flame X for this question and if you guys never check this channel out youtube.com slash cyber speed he's made a couple promos for shinjuku station and he's had beautiful video editing skills he is he's far beyond I, where i could ever be so check him out he and i actually sat down and had a uh a q a session on how to make amvs on his uh twitch channel which is a uh, twitch.tv slash cyber speed so if you guys want to watch that archive we had a really fun time with it and i learned quite a bit so um i my i I tip my cap to uh, Flame X Man. He is a—he's uh, definitely a talented dude. And uh, back to you, Chris. All right. And our next question comes from MCT Dread, who says, "Greetings, podcast meisters. The three of you have won one million dollars. However, in order for you to receive it, you must survive a hellish road trip from Miami to LA with a select group of characters from several Gundam series." <laughs> Which of these four teams would you feel the most comfortable with to make this pilgrimage? Number Gumball one, rally, uh, Ali Al Sausage and Yazan Gable. <laughs> Number two, Keo and Katz. Number three, Athrin and Kira. Oh, wow. Number four, Oliver and Real Rock Guy. Yeah, we have a winner. <laughs> well, right from the outset, um, it's easy. Oliver and Real Rock Guy are out for me because clearly they're bad drivers. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So we wouldn't make it to L.A. Woo! They would they would crash before even leaving Dade County. Mm-hmm. The first team is out because they're both psychopaths and they'll you mm-hmm. know Woo! murder me and possibly eat me. Good lord! Uh, the second team is out because I would murder them. Yeah, go to prison on that one. So yeah, it's easy. So, Athrin and Kira for uh, least annoying and probably safest drivers. There you go. Yeah. Well, shoot, they're both coordinators, so they're never, they're not going to hit anyone. <laughs> Exactly. Then I agree. The reaction is going to be off the chain. It'd be the most boring ride ever, dude. <laughs> but at least you arrive alive. That's that's pretty much what matters. I I'd, I'd pick the same team, man. Just uh, but they'll be they'll be talking to each other all the time, saying Athrin, Kira, Athrin, Kira. It's like you motherfuckers have to say your names. They'll, they'll be arguing about uh, which way to go on I seventy five. Athrin, where are you going? <laughs> Kira, you should have asked for directions. <laughs> and then the seed pops. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Man, beautiful. All right, next we have... Yokozuna Bulldozer, who says, number one, I only grabbed about Amazing Red Warriors debut and tries that it could have had, it could have used a little more cowbell, which in this case <laughs> is a little chibi SDXia angels with harp surrounding it and praising it as it advents and the Majin BGM plays. Likewise, are there any mecha debut scenes that could have used a little more cowbell of its own? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, maybe the rollout of the Zeta in Zeta Gundam? <laughs> Yeah, you know, some some cowbell and some blue oyster cult. I'm I'm good. <laughs> it was the '80s after all. <laughs> um, other than that, that's pretty much all I got. Neil, I can't really think of anything off the top of my head right now. That usually most of the big max usually have pretty good debut scenes mm-hmm. so. well, i i'm gonna go the opposite way and give a shout out to an example of an overabundance of cowbell in the best way oh, okay. which is uh try on three. Oh, oh yes yeah <laughs> 
Yeah. Boy, yeah. was that a, a lot of cowbell. That was crazy. Mm. I love that scene. Number two, which mecha pilot would win in an office chair jousting tournament and why? Yeah. <laughs> what? <laughs> I, I don't even know. Oh, oh um, what the hell is his name? Um, Van from Escaflone. <laughs> Yeah. How so? Oh, oh, what makes you say that? Because he's he's used to skewering dudes. Yeah. Oh, well, hey, it's hey. a mecha pilot. It didn't say you know <laughs> Gundam or anything. They just know what mecha pilot. Oh my gosh, I'm trying to remember the. Oh no no no. oh Who? oh oh Master Asia. He'll be on top of Funsaki. He's oh, used to so he's used to jousting. Nice nice. You know it was the 20th anniversary of his death just the other day. Yo may he rest in peace, Master Asia. Thank you, Master Thank Asia. You. The guys that voiced him. They the, the, the guy who the, sorry uh, Master Asia himself. They were celebrating oh, okay. all over social media by putting up all these pictures and retweets. That shit was that shit was amazing. All the pictures they posted of Master Asia, but the dying or just to celebrate his character. Japan went in. It was awesome. But uh, yeah, that's, those are good picks, man. Uh, I'm gonna go for the dark horse, man. What was the name of Mirai's fiance from uh, Mobile Suit Gundam? Oscar? No, oh, I forget his Cameron? name. Cameron. Cameron. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. he looks like an office dude. But you know, he. I, I think he could cut loose, man. He'd be the but master. He's not, a, he's not a mecha pilot, though. But he could pilot pilot him off his chair with the best of them son the question is is what <laughs> mecha, mecha pilot that, that not not some random not some random character in a <laughs> mecha show <laughs> Well, if, if I if I can't go with Cameron, I would probably go with the psychopath. I'll go with Al, Ali Al Sausage, man. He uh, he 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 knows he, 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 kno- he, he knows he knows to be stabby, man. <laughs> he sat straight enough in that car before he took uh, Saji's uh, sister into a nice dark alleyway and uh and and ran her through several times. So uh, yeah, I mean uh, he, he's 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 proven himself in the field. <laughs> So there you go. All right. I'm going to give it to uh, Shozama because he jousted with a motorcycle. Oh, oh shit. Look badass yeah, to he it. Did do there that. you yeah, go. He did do that. That's what's up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you took it. <laughs> Number three. We now know that the Achilles heel of Turne is a good dose of Soten Gurren Ken to the sweets. Mm-hmm. So do you gents agree that now Moonlight Butterfly cannot win them all anymore if you give it a good kick to the sweets? Rock and roll. <laughs> It might be the only thing to take it down. <laughs> that's no, because, mm-hmm. no, because after you get a good kick to the switch, you get mad. Mm-hmm. And the Moonlight Butterfly is going to be more powerful. Well, wins all. Well, I mean, if, if the, the switch is where the cockpit is, and if you kick it hard enough, then there's no pilot to speak of to do the midnight, the Moonlight Butterfly. So it just depends on how, how hard you go in. Uh, so, you know, if Autopilot. You, auto- <laughs> Autopilot, because uh, uh, I guess the turn A has that. But uh, I- I'd say uh, I'd say that's that's definitely a dirty move. But it would, it's pretty effective if you use it right. Moonlight butterfly will always win everything well, in my heart. Yeah, does. Hey, does. There's no way around it. Hey man, Domon, Domon, man, he's got a nasty kick, bro. That's all I know. Put him up against the turn A. We might have we might have a different kind. We might have a different outcome, guys. God Gundam's gone. Oh, oh. Moonlight butterfly burns. <laughs> wins all. Damn. None shall ever surpass the Moonlight Butterfly. Oh my yeah. gosh. You have to qualify the fight before you... If you don't say no Moonlight Butterfly is not allowed, then mm-hmm. it's always allowed. Thus, it always wins. Cause and effect. There you go. Case closed. <laughs> Cause, Moonlight oh. Butterfly. Effect, it wins. There you go. Nice circular logic. <laughs> yes. Anyway. <laughs> moving on... Um, we have a question from Kei Katsuragi, which has a kind of a long setup, but it's a, it's, it's a good question. Mm-hmm. It says, 
I often hear how the Tetons are not at all sympathetic from people who hate or dislike Zeta Gundam. I recently sat down to rewatch the show, and I do agree that the Tetons are pretty unlikable across the board. However, it occurred to me that Tamino probably didn't want his audience sympathizing with the Tetons. There is that one scene when Jamaican is talking to Lila's men about joining the Tetons, saying that the perk is you get treated two ranks higher, and I believe that this was to show how the Tetons get idiots to join their ranks who blindly follow them just because of material things, not because of principle. The only Tetons who joined up <laughs> to protect the Earth from Zeon remnants, Adis Aziba and Emma Sheen, don't exactly stay with the Tetons. One gets killed by other Tetons and the other defects. <laughs> Other Tetons, like Jared and Sirocco, had agendas when joining up with the Tetons, but didn't care about the future of the world, just their selfish desires. My question is, do you think Tamina wanted to show the folly of joining up with a military force like the Tetons, the on- that only blind idiots, psychopaths, or selfish people would want to join such an organization, and perhaps to possibly discourage future people from joining something like the Tetons? Mm-hmm. Second question, a little off topic. Do you think if Sirocco had won, his vision of humanity would have been better than the results we see later in UC. P.S. Mauer is an oddity only because I have no idea why she initially joined the Tetons, but she seemed to only fight for Jared's sake. Yeah. So if you were playing a drinking game of how many times I said Tetons, <laughs> we'd be dead. We'd be drunk right now. <laughs> you, you would uh, be dead from alcohol yeah. poisoning. Nice. So, yes, um, I've heard this complaint many times over the years because, uh, guys, it's we're now in the 30th anniversary of Zeta Gundam this month. Isn't it nuts? Man. <laughs> Which makes me feel old because when I first started watching it, it was only a 15 year old show. <laughs> <laughs> and now it's double that. It's been some time. It's, it's, it's a double Zeta, you might say. I was eight years old when that show first aired in Japan. It's like, God dang, where's the time gone? <laughs> I want to have a good time. Everyone's a noble mind. No doubt. <laughs> So, yes, I do hear this complaint that the Titans are unlikable, that they're cartoonishly evil, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But, you know, look at a lot of the sort of villainous organizations that exist in our real world. They're they're pretty cartoonish themselves mm-hmm. yeah. and unlikable. And in the case of the Titans, clearly, you know, just their dark uniforms and, you know, their swagger of how they're two ranks higher than regular Fetties and just the way they act with total impunity. It's supposed to be a representation of like fascist nationalistic thugs yeah. who care only about power which is made obvious by the fact that even though they're supposed to be hunting down Zeon remnants they to defeat the Aug will actually team up with Zeon remnants yeah. yeah which runs counter to their entire mission but it's clear from the get go that their whole mission is not about hunting down Zeon remnants but just about gaining and maintaining power so yeah i think tamino was showing that and you know being a uh, world war 2 era child who grew up in the post war environment it wouldn't surprise me if it's sort of a message about, you know, the wildly imperialistic and fascist, you know, military of the Japanese Empire. Man, I, that's quite the commentary then. <laughs> 
That uh, makes sense. I know um, when I look at the Titans, they're, they're kind of, uh, I mean, they're kind of a natural progression of what the uh, Federation would become after the one year war. Basically, they wanted to make sure that something like the Xeon assault against Earth to never happen again. So they decided to be forceful with the uh, with just the, um, I guess, the oppression of the space noids and to make sure that no more seeds of dissent could happen. They went a little bit extreme and you could see like all the wrong people survived the one year war. <laughs> and, and, and it's it's also history because how many times have we seen there's a war or there's some terrorist attack or whatever and um you know an entire group of people become the scapegoats and a government clamps down on the civil rights of its own people and starts oppressing them and creating a situation far worse than you know what it is they're supposed to be fighting. Yeah, look at the filter that Tomino uh, depicted the Titans in, and it makes me wonder exactly what countries look at uh, you know say America's army that way, or after being like defeated by them, you know, or, or or any other armies from that perspective as well. Um, it, it's an interesting take. I, I didn't like how how diabolical the Titans were, but at the same time, I could accept it because there are other aspects of the show that did work, and I, at the end of the day, I was fine with it. I'd rather see some of them be more sympathetic or have a couple people in the titans that actually were actually more humanistic and whether they lived or died that have been fine but i would have liked to see that but we did have some like what's this guy's name uh the the captain of the alexandria yeah that's oh yeah because he, you know, he, uh, he was he was he was just there yeah. kind of doing a job and uh you know he wasn't like particularly like yeah down with those space noids he was just in the wrong organization. And in all truth, some people that we know became Titans, like uh, some of the crew members in 0083 became the uh, Titans. Well, look, who be- look, look who became Titans, yep. jerks like Muncha and his friends. So, yeah. but, but well, you have to, you there have were crew members. The other thing that you're mm-hmm. kind of forgetting is that this was a war, the one year war had high casualties. Oh, it sure did. So, another reason why you may have all these people that are of, you know, like lower ethical behavior and stuff like that is because they're the only ones left. <laughs> You know, you always hear sometimes when we go to war, we lose our best and our brightest. Yeah. Well, you know, that that could be the same situation that we have here. You know, a lot of the people uh, didn't survive. And the only people that are around at this point are just these people with emotional issues, power tripping people. And as you know, you could probably go if, if they went into more depth with some of these people. For all you know, people like... Uh, like a Jamaican, on maybe he was like a supply clerk in the one year war and he just went up the ranks because at the end of the at the end of everything when they demobilized and things like that there just wasn't anybody left to yeah. want to do this stuff so i mean there's a lot of different ways that you can look at this mm-hmm. and i think the once again it shows absolute power corrupts absolutely they were yeah. given absolute power over everything for a specific mission they perverted it into something much uh, worse and more diabolical yet in a way they needed Zeon. They had no problem uh, teaming up with Zeon to fight the Federate or to fight the AUG. And in a lot of ways, if they defeat Zeon, what is their mission after that? So there's, there's all types of ways you can look at this. And I think it's just one of these situations. It's social commentary, like Chris said. Yeah. And there's lots of different ways that you can look at it. There, there's also the, the generation that was affected by the One Year War who are now old enough to fight. You got them. I mean, Rekawa was a perfect right. example of that. She, uh, she was really messed up for 
because of the one-year war and then she ended up switching over to the titans in the long run which was pretty crazy to see but yeah there's a lot of cases like her that uh, uh also are are, are perfect uh, examples to show once again simply. people that are just left over yeah i mean these are the only people left to do these jobs so yeah. there you go the vet the vetting process the 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 the, the, the standards get a little bit lower yeah. when you don't have too many people wanting to do this stuff <laughs> Slim rich, rich would be kind of the case after a catastrophic war where billions of people died. So, yeah, <laughs> slim pickings. So, and to the second question, how do you think things would have turned out had Sirocco won? Wow. Um, I think he would have been better. Um, although, you know, he was a bit diabolical himself and he, u- he used people pretty badly. But uh, I think he was a much better leader than the regime that was in charge. And I don't know if uh, Universal Century would have ended up better for it, but I think he would have ran the Titans better. Mm, he's, a, he's, a, he's, a, he's a simple uh, opportunistic guy that just you know he it, it probably would end up just being closer to what the zansari had you know kind of a monarchy type of deal um but a lot sooner so you know you may not have had as much crazy death and destruction uh that you had what happened in uc but still would have tons of people probably oppressed mm-hmm. because he was definitely a new type elitist so anybody that was an old type you just don't know what what he would have done with them so yeah he's definitely a new type elitist but uh you know i think he was a better leader than a lot of these other villains and he was a guy who you know rewarded success and would sort of play off the weaker elements against each other so had he won i think he would have purged the earth sphere of a lot of the idiots in the federation Mm -hmm. you know like the one the very ones that we see in zz these fat cats enjoying their nice steaks on earth talking about how great it is that haman's dropping a colony because it'll help thin the population out i think jesus guys like that would have been the first to have been gone by um sirocco's hand and yeah he does use people and yeah he is cold but you know what sort of political person doesn't do that so yeah you know even then you know amongst other people he's he doesn't seem like the worst i mean he's no, no, no. he's no garen he's like he's sort of like uh the frank underwood of space <laughs> hmm. does he talk to the does he break the fourth wall <laughs> You know, it'd be great if he did. Oh, it'd be amazing. Yo, say to go through the filter of Sirocco. <laughs> That'd be the best. <laughs> don't, know, don't only... uh, go ahead. Yeah, I think, um, you know, if he had if he had the resources and he, you know, had the time, you know, yeah, he would cause a lot of upheaval, but he could have been sort of like um, like a Caesar Augustus type figure to the Federation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he would have kept everybody in line. It wouldn't have been a complete free society, but it would be a lot better than what the alternative was going to be. Yeah, I mean, I get that. Yeah, And if he'd won, he would have clamped down on the ambitions of both Haman and later Shar. Oh, yeah. He probably provided especially Shar. I think he, he would have kicked Shar's ass <laughs> first before he would have, because he always had an issue with Shar more than he did with Haman. And since he I was think. since he was a new type, the new types probably would end up faring better in his society too. But um, people would still be effed. <laughs> oh, you'd probably you'd probably have a two class society. You'd have new type oh, and yeah. old type. True. So. Well, you already have a two class society anyway. So inverse is all. Yeah, it'd be it'd be re- yeah power would be. <laughs> 
He'd be like a so, space Lannister. Solid, solid question, and I think that's a good point to end because uh, we're running out of time. So thank you for the questions, and please be sure to drop more. Turn it back to you, Solbro. Well, thank you, sir. When you guys have time, make sure to check out these websites. Head on over to where the magic happens, mahq.net. Visit there for reviews of many mecha-related animes and manga series. Also join the conversation at MAHQ's official forums at mechatalk.net, where you can find forums for this show and other MAHQ and Shinjuku Station podcasts. There you can comment on the thread for this episode or others and submit questions for future podcasts. If you're looking for previous episodes of Gundam at MAHQ, Look no further than Gundam.net, where you can also find information on all of our previous episodes. Also find us on iTunes by using the keyword Gundam, and make sure to subscribe and leave us a review. After listening to our show, your next stop should be Chaos Theater, MAHQ's podcast that focuses on other facets of nerddom outside of Mecca. Hosted by the webmaster of MAHQ, Gundam's own Chris Guanche, and the pedal bear of the South, Tomopop's own Pedro Cortez. You can tune into the show at chaostheater.blogspot.com and on iTunes by searching for Chaos Theater. Don't forget that we're also on YouTube, where you can not only find our previous episodes, but extra content as well. Subscribe to these channels when you have time. YouTube.com slash Gundam M-A-H-Q. YouTube.com slash Chaos Theater M-A-H-Q. YouTube.com slash Fighters Ready. YouTube.com slash Shin Station Fight Tube and youtube.com slash Shinjuku Station. Last but not least, make a beeline to Shinjuku Station's home for live streaming. That's tinyurl.com slash Shin Station. Every week, we stream live with anime commentaries like Shoji Ramuro's Anime Movie Night and live podcasts like our new show, Barbecue Night. Don't sleep. Head on over to tinyurl.com slash Shin Station and follow us to keep up with all our future live streams as well as archives of our most recent sessions. And before we go, guys, anything you guys wanted to mention before we uh, close out this episode? Bye, Turn A. Yes, yes, absolutely. Watch Turn A. <laughs> Watch it after buying it. There you go. There you go. Make sure to... And then, conti- and then buy it again. Ma- make sure to support that release as well as uh, continue support. And if, of, you, uh, and if you have a gift that you need to give to a friend, yeah. buy Turn A. Yeah, if, you're not, if you don't want the series yourself, get it as a gift for a friend. Uh, I mean, that's Mom's always a, birthday, buy Turn A. Buy Turn A. If she loves Gundam and she likes Turn A, you'll get that for Secret her. Secret Santa, buy Turn A. That's right, man. Get, hit up the right stuff, man. They got plenty of copies for you guys. Make sure to pre-order very soon and keep up the support for Gundam The Origin. You guys are doing great with that, too. Other than that, that is it for episode 159 of Gundam at MAHQ. We'll see you guys next time. Okay, this has gotten away from us. I'll take him to the talking car movie. You do what you do. Uh, Pops could care less about my silly cartoon, but my best friend would pretend to love anything for me. This is amazing. What's happening? That's the Autobots. Those robots are the good guys. Oh, watch this. They're about to kick Decepticon butt. But they didn't. Instead, they did this. They killed one of the good guys. No. Actually, they killed all the good guys. No! Even Optimus Prime was killed in cold blood. And along with it, my innocence. 
Do the good guys always die like this? They're not dead. It's probably a plot twist. They'll come back and save the day. But they didn't. You ready to go? No. Optimus will be back. I don't think he's coming back. Oh, he's coming back. Bigger and better and not dead. He's dead, dude. At MAHQ is a Shinjuku station and MAHQ.net joint. Actually, he's the boss. I just pay for everything and design everything. Make everyone look cooler. The Avengers, how can you possibly stop me? Show them what we got. Time to work for a living. But you slipped here. That's all in the swing. If you step out that door, you're an Avenger. You didn't see that coming? All right, it's time for some fun.